Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 30. The seventh part is several concerning the history of Canaan. Last week, I covered the second half of the Bronze Age, and then touched on the Iron Age of the region. If you missed it, you really should go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm wrapping up some loose ends on the Canaanites, and then circling back to provide a general overview of their history in a more condensed form. So let's get started. First, to the environmental factors impacting the Canaanite history. Overall, Canaanite civilization formed during long periods where the climate was stable, sporadically interrupted by shorter periods of climate change. Similar to what occurred and what I previously covered, agriculture in Canaan developed in a fashion similar to Sumer, without the absolute reliance on irrigation. Researchers believe that periods of rapid climate change generally led to the collapse of this mixed Mediterranean farming system. With the changing climate, large-scale growth and organization was replaced with more subsistence farming methods. The previously covered predictable herding and grazing was replaced by year-round nomadic pastoral activity. With this, tribal groups wandered in a circular pattern with their flocks, north to the Euphrates, or as far south as the Egyptian Delta. Occasionally, tribal chieftains would emerge, raiding enemy settlements and rewarding loyal followers with the spoils of victory, or by taxes levied on defeated territories. In the occasion when cities would join together and retaliate, or a neighboring state intervene, or should the local leader fall from grace, allegiances would fall apart and intertribal feuding would return. Now, this next part is a little later in the Old Testament, but it's worth touching on at this point. Some researchers, and before you begin writing, please note that I didn't say I believe, but I'm just letting you know what is believed by some people. Anyway, some have theorized that the patriarchal tales of the Bible reflect such social forms. During the periods of collapse of the Akkadian Empire in Mesopotamia, and in the first intermediate period of Egypt, the Hysox invasions, and also at the end of the Middle Bronze Age in Assyria and Babylonia, then the Late Bronze Age collapse, trade through the Canaanite region would decline, as Egypt, Babylonia, and to a lesser degree Assyria, withdrew into a nationalistic isolation. Later, the climate and as a result the agriculture would stabilize. Trade would resume first along the coast in the area of Philistine and the Phoenician cities. As markets redeveloped, New trade routes that would avoid the heavy tariffs of the coastal regions would develop from Kadesh Barnea through Hebron, Lachish, Jerusalem, Bethel, Samaria, Sechem, Shiloh, and through to Galilee to Jezreel, Hazor, and Megiddo. Secondary Canaanite cities then developed in the region. Further economic development would see the creation of a third trade route from Tilna, Edom, Moab, Ammon, and then to the Aramean states of Damascus and Palmyra. As these new routes developed, older city-states, such as the Philistine centurions, tried to control the interior trade, but these efforts generally proved to be unsuccessful. Eventually, the wealth generated by this trade would attract the attention of more powerful regional neighbors, such as ancient Egypt, Assyria, and the Babylonians, Persians, ancient Greeks, and Romans who would control the Canaanites politically and impose taxes. 
Often during these periods, overgrazing of livestock and abusive agricultural practices would result in an agricultural collapse and a repeat of the overall cycle. And now, to wrap up the Canaanites with a short, condensed version of their history. And, I realize that I don't normally do this, but considering that the Canaanites stretched into about eight episodes, I feel, at least at this time, that it's a good idea. By the early Bronze Age, other cities had developed, such as Ebla, where an East Semitic language, modernly and quite naturally called Ebalite, was spoken. Ebla, by around 2300 BC, was brought into the Mesopotamian-based Akkadian Empire ruled by Sargon the Great and then Naram-Sin of Akkad. Sumerian references to the early Amorite country west of the Euphrates date from even earlier than Sargon, at least to the reign of the Sumerian king Inshakusana of Uruk. And one cuneiform tablets credits the earlier Sumerian king Lugal Anamundu with holding some sort of control over the region. Although this tablet is considered less credible, because it was produced some number of centuries after the fact. The archives of Ebla show a number of references to biblical sites, including Hazor, Jerusalem, and, as a number of researchers have claimed, to Sodom and Gomorrah, mentioned in Genesis as well. Ebla and the Amorites at Hazor, Kadesh, and elsewhere in Syria bordered Canaan to the north and northeast. Then, the Akkadian Empire collapsed in 2154 BC, and Canaan witnessed the arrival of peoples using Kerbet Karek ware pottery. These migrants probably originated in the Zagros Mountains in modern-day Iran, east of the Tigris River. First cities in the southern Levant arose during the early Bronze Age. These cities are considered proto-Canaanite, simply meaning that they were among the first of the actual Canaanite establishments. These cities were in regular contact with the other peoples to their south, such as Egypt, and to the north in Asia Minor, such as the Hurrians, Hattanis, Hittites, and Luwians. They were also in contact with the civilizations in Mesopotamia such as Sumer, Akkad, and Assyria. This contact with the people surrounding them formed a trend that continued through the Iron Age. The end of the Early Bronze Age is denoted by the abandonment of their cities and a return to lifestyles based on farming villages and semi-nomadic herding although specialized craft production continued and trade routes remained in existence. Then, there was, wait for it, the Middle Bronze Age, which lasted from about 2000 to 1550 BC. In this period, the people once again began to live in cities, and the region was then essentially divided among small city-states, the most important of which seems to have been Hazor, located in what is now extreme northeastern Israel. In this period, many aspects of the Canaanite culture show a Mesopotamian influence. This is primarily due to the entire region becoming more involved in a large international trade network. The area that is essentially North Canaan became dominated by empires originating from Mesopotamia. An Amorite chieftain named Sumu-Abdum founded Babylon as an independent city-state in 1894 BC. One Amorite king of Babylonia, Hammurabi, who ruled between 1792 and 1750 BC, founded the first Babylonian Empire, which only lasted as long as his lifetime. Upon his death, the Amorites were driven from Assyria, but remained masters of Babylonia until 1595 BC, when they were defeated by the Hittites. Sometime after that, the name Amaru became the Assyrian term for the interior of the south, as well as for northern Canaan, 
At this time, the Canaanite area seemed to be divided between two confederacies, one centered upon Megiddo in the Jezreel Valley, and the second on the more northern city of Kadesh on the Orontes River. The history of the Amorites is coming soon, but for now, back to the Canaanites. Sometime around 1650 BC, the Canaanites invaded the eastern delta of the Nile in Egypt, where, then known as the Hyksos, they became the dominant power. In Egyptian inscriptions, they were sometimes referred to as the Amar, and then the Amorites, though the terms are more strictly applied to the northern mountain region east of Phoenicia, extending to the Orontes River region, essentially between modern-day Lebanon, Syria, and Turkey. Archaeological excavations of a number of Canaanite sites show that the prosperity of the region reached its peak during the Middle Bronze Age period, largely under the leadership of the city of Hazor, and they were at least a small tributary to Egypt for much of the period. Overall, there seemed to have been three strategic alliances, two in the north at the cities of Yankad and Ketna, and one in the south at Hazor. This setup continued through the Late Bronze Age, which lasted from 1550 to 1200 BC. In the beginning of the Late Bronze Age, Canaanite alliances were centered in Megiddo and Kadesh, before again being brought into the Egyptian Empire and then the Hittite Empire. After that, the region was conquered and brought into the Neo-Assyrian Empire. After the Amorite collapse in Babylon, they, meaning the Amorites, became nomadic and then appeared to have settled in Canaan. Evidently, the Amorites played a significant role in the early history of Canaan, with several mentions in Genesis, Joshua, Deuteronomy, Judges, and Numbers. While in Canaan, in the Old Testament, we are told of two great Amorite kings residing at Heshbon and Ezeroth, east of the Jordan River. However, in some passages, the name Amorite is regarded as synonymous with Canaanite. In the centuries preceding the appearance of the Biblical Hebrews, parts of Canaan and southwestern Syria became tributes to the Egyptian pharaohs, although control by the Egyptians was somewhat sporadic and not strong enough to prevent frequent local rebellions and intercity struggles. Other areas, such as northern Canaan and northern Syria, came to be ruled by the Assyrians during this period. Under pharaohs Tutmose III and Amenhotep II, whose combined rule lasted from 1479 to 1400 BC, the consistent strong arm of the Egyptian rulers and his armies kept the Amorites and Canaanites suitably under control. Despite this, the Habaru moved into the region. These people seem to have been nomadic mercenaries, but they previously may have been more settled, but then for some presently unknown reason became more nomadic. Upon arrival in Canaan, they undertook the primary occupation of hiring themselves out to whichever local mayor, king, or foreign prince needed their service. The Hamburu had been reported in Mesopotamia from the reign of the Sumerian king Shulgi of the Third Dynasty of Ur, but they seemed to have been forced out of either Asia Minor or Assyria by the skilled charioteers known as the Mitanni. Some believe the Hamburu to have been one and the same as the Hurrian, a non-Semitic speaking group from Asia Minor. Back in Egypt, the reign of Atenhaupt III, as a result, was not quite so tranquil for Egypt's province in Canaan, as the Habaru contributed to greater political instability. During this time, and directly as a result of the instability brought on by the arrival of the Habaru, 
It is believed that the local Canaanite leaders became opportunistic. However, they typically could not do anything significant without forming a strategic alliance with a leader of another city-state. In a previous episode, I walked through the example of Azariah, a prince of Amuru, who tried to extend his power into the plain of Damascus. In the Armana letters, there is a curious example of correspondence between Canaan and Egypt from the era. Abdi Heba, the Canaanite mayor of Jerusalem, then only a small hillside town, wrote that Kassite agents had attempted to break into his home and assassinate him. The specifics are quite interesting. He wrote, With regard to the Kassites, though the house is well fortified, they attempted a very serious crime. They took their tools, and I had to seek shelter by a support for the roof. And so if he, meaning the Pharaoh, is going to send troops into Jerusalem, let them come with a garrison for regular service, and please make the Kassites responsible for the evil deed. I was almost killed by the Kassites in my own house. May the king make an inquiry in their regard. Egyptian power in Canaan suffered a major setback when the Hittites moved into Syria during the reign of Atemhop III. They, meaning the Hittites, became even more threatening as their kingdom displaced the Amorites, leading to a resumption of Semitic migration. Azaru, at first fearful of the Hittites, then made a treaty with their king and joined with the Hittites. They then attacked and conquered the cities that remained loyal to Egypt. From the mid-14th century through to the 11th century BC, much of Canaan, especially in the north, central, and eastern regions of Syria, and the northwestern Mediterranean coastal regions, fell to the Middle Assyrian Empire. As a result, both Egyptian and Hittite influence decreased. Powerful Assyrian kings forced Canaanite states and cities from northeast and central Syria to pay them tributes. Arikadin Ili, who ruled between about 1307 and 1296 BC, consolidated Assyrian power in the Levant. His kingdom then defeated and conquered ancient Semitic-speaking peoples of the so-called Amala group, commonly believed to be the Proto-Aramedes. Eric Din Ili was followed by Adid Nerari I, who ruled from about 1295 to 1275 BC, and continued expansion to the northwest, mainly at the expense of the Hittites and the Hurrians. His kingdom conquered Hittite territories such as Karkemishish and beyond. In 1274 BC, Shalmaneser I ascended to the throne and went on to become known as a powerful warrior king. He annexed territories in Syria and Canaan previously under Egyptian or Hittite influence. And the growing power of Assyria was perhaps the reason why these two states, meaning the Egyptians and the Hittites, made peace with one another. This trend continued until Tukulti Ninarata I, who ruled from 1244 to 1208 BC. After a brief hiatus, Tiglath-Pileser I, who ruled from 1115 to 1077 BC, conquered the Arameans of northern Syria, and then proceeded to conquer Damascus and the Canaanite cities of Bibulos, Sidon, Tyre, and finally Arwad. Arwad is located in the Mediterranean Sea and is the only inhabited island in Syria. Just after the Armana period of ancient Egypt, a new problem arose in southern Canaan, which would lead to the final collapse of Canaan. Remember, at this time, the rest of the region was now under Assyrian control. Pharaoh Horemhab campaigned against Shashu, 
who were probably nomadic pastoral tribes. The Shashu had moved across the Jordan to threaten Egyptian trade through Galilee and Jezreel. Seti I, in about 1290 BC, is said to have conquered these Shashu, living just south and east of the Dead Sea. And he conquered them from the fortress of Teru. After the near collapse of the Egyptian Empire at the Battle of Kadesh, Ramses II had campaigned vigorously in Canaan to maintain Egyptian power. Egyptian forces then penetrated into Moab and Amman, on the west side of the Dead Sea and Jordan River. Here, they established a permanent fortress garrison. Here, the use of the word permanent needs to be taken in context. I guess I could have replaced the previous seven episodes with just this one, but I think we both would have missed out on the detail that adds true color to the life and times of the Canaanites. Next week, I'll work through what is known and what is believed about the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't want to miss it. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released. Also, go to iTunes and give the podcast a positive review. And a note on that, several listeners have taken me up on the request for reviews. To those of you that have, I am deeply grateful. Thank you. And to everyone, thanks for listening and have a great week.